Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I think when you start the hiring process, it can be an interesting kind of mind game decision time contemplation time game decision time (laughs) no for real okay so like I think there's a lot of decisions to be made about how or why you hire someone at a certain point in your business and I specifically I know we've talked about it in the past but today I want to talk about why I think it's important that you think first about how you and where you're going to get a return on your hire rather than hiring to save time because I just know what long-term, what that looks like. And I feel like we're in a different space and time. And to talk about that in a bigger way, because I think so many people only hire to save time Mm -hmm. and they should be thinking about it in a bigger way. Well, and I I definitely want to have this conversation coming from the space of, yes, how we think about it now with Boss Project and like lessons we've learned and different ways we go about doing it now, but also like there are one-off hires, like one quick jobs that I've done for my earring business of stuff that like I knew would save me a ton of time. I also wasn't the best one to do it. And if it's done, it'll help me make money faster. So it's interesting though, like how it we look at it in kind of different scopes based on where you're at in your business and what type of business you have. Totally. I and I think that's such a valid point and I think it's important that we talk about both. So let's let's talk about first what our hiring has looked like over time and I know we've delved into this in the past, but I think it's important that you see what it felt like then versus if I were to do it differently what I would do now. So we've talked about on the show before that one of our first hires for Boss Project which at the time was Think Creative Collective is we both desperately needed to offload some of the customer service aspects of our business. And the first place we hired, at least that I think made a big impact on our day-to-day, 
was getting someone to manage the inbox for us. But that's not the first person we hired. It wasn't the first person we hired. Now that I say that out loud, mm-hmm. I realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, the, the first person we hired for, uh, I just remember this version of our business so vividly. Her name is Sarah. She's amazing. We got sold via cold pitch email and it worked. That We've talked about that strategy and uh, that she did for us and how it worked here on the podcast. But we were putting out blog content a lot, five days a week, I think at that time. Mm-hmm. And she basically reached out and was just like, hey, I can come in and like edit these basically because like here's some ways that I might reformat this or edit it or whatever. And so she became such a big part of that process where she was she formatting them for our website too or mm-hmm. was she just proofing them? She was just proofing them. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. closely followed by that, we did hire that customer service inbox person. But I know for a fact, when we started hiring, A, I do think in retrospect that we waited too long. To hire? Uh Uh-huh. I think we could have used help sooner. And if we had help sooner, I think we could have done some of the things we were doing longer without feeling burnt out. Sure, 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 sure. And so I think there's a there's a weird line, though, you have to watch where, you know, when you're just starting a business, I think you attach all this emotion to the things you're doing inside of your business. And you're like, oh, I'm not doing the thing I started my business to do enough. And so thus, I'm out of alignment. And what I don't think I realized at the time was just how much time it would take to run the business and manage the business and not necessarily do the, the, do the work, the product out there or do the service. Right. right? And so now I think I would have looked at, okay, if I'm starting to feel burnt out, what adjustments could I make first on how to improve my own workflow? Yeah. And then secondly, is there a software or resource out there that can improve that without me needing to hire someone. Yeah. And if that's not enough, then can I hire someone super part-time to take some things off my plate so that I can focus more on the thing that ultimately is bringing in the money? Right. Well, and then I think another uh, one more thing I would add to that kind of question filter for yourself, and this is the one I ask of myself in my side business is the thing that I want to do, am I procrastinating on that thing? Because there are so many steps that have to happen first that I don't feel equipped to do. And if I can hire someone in for a one-off job that gets a piece of that done, will it progress me to to being able to offer that thing sooner, faster, better, whatever? So for example, when I first started, the very first course I made, I made on I think Google Slides or PowerPoint or something. Like I just literally made it in a PowerPoint app and sold that course. It was not cute. It was not like beautifully branded or designed. I just like put text on there and it worked. So yes, while I know that can work, that's not the like level of branding that I want now. So if I'm creating a program now, which I am for my makers group, where there's going to be slides or there's going to be a sales page or there's going to be a bonus or whatever... I'm going to do the thing that 
only I can do for that, which is outline it, write the copy, decide the structure, what's the what's the actual intent and purpose of this piece. And then I'm going to pay a designer to make the ebook, make the slides, make whatever, because that would take me days and weeks and it would look like garbage. It will take her one day and it will look amazing. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's where I think there is this unique opportunity as you grow your business to hire for skills that you don't have. But I think so often we look at this in a silo of like, oh my gosh, I just need to get this off my plate, that you're not focused on what that means for you. Because while I think it's really important to save time, time is not always the asset you need. Sometimes you need a skill set that you don't have that has the ability to bring you a return and you're just kind of ignoring it. Because I do think, and this was probably more after we had made a couple hundred thousand dollars, like when we were in, we were still early, but, you know, getting to the point where the kind of business we were growing was still very new to us and there was a lot of facets And the business kept getting more and more complicated. And I think both of us just struggled to identify where where can we let someone else do the thinking? I think we saw a lot where someone else could do the doing. Like they can physically make this. They can do this task and it's no longer on our plate. But we were still doing all of the thought process behind that, all of the strategy behind that. And that takes time and brain power. And as you're growing, I think having a like a diverse perspective on some of those strategies is important and can make a big impact. And so now I think both of us have to make a decision before we even like put it out there. Okay, here's kind of what I'm thinking we need. And for whatever reason, you can decide that. But then there's a a really important choice. Is this about saving me time? If yes, what am I going to do with that time? If no, I mean, maybe it'll save me a little bit of time, but it's perhaps a strategy I haven't even tried or I don't want to or whatever. Is it more of like a growth-minded thing? Then how can I very specifically assign a necessary return. And that way, if you're not hitting it, or it's not getting to that point on an agreed upon timeline, that you realize that it's ultimately not worth your investment. And I think in the past, we've hired too early, hired too late, or hired without really knowing how someone was going to get the return for us, or perhaps even tried to have someone get us a return for us. But not with the skill set they needed to actually do the thing that we hired them to do. Yeah. I think this has been one of the the hardest lessons to learn, figure out how it works for us and in our business, figure out how to – there's so many facets to it. It's never just like, okay, now you just know the ROI and you communicate that and it's great. How do you figure out the ROI? What's realistic? of your own products, of your own skill set, of their skill set. Well, there's 10 different things that could help that thing make more money. So which one are you actually going to like investigate right now? 
Mm-hmm. Is that the right team? Is the time frame realistic? It like there's so many factors that go into that equation that it's it's so it's just not simple. So I think for us it's always just been like, well, you can't figure that out, so you just have to gamble every time. And I think what we're beginning to see is maybe yes, part of it's a gamble every time, but there can also be like a very expected result with your gamble if you do it right. Yeah. And if you don't hit it, then you need to be willing to cut it. And so I think how you get there, I think there's some important things that I know you guys hear when you watch Shark Tank or like you've heard someone say in a business book once, but if you don't actually know what these numbers mean for your business, especially if you're in a growing phase, like I don't think this necessarily applies to someone who has primarily been the only person in their business and the only person selling and the only person producing. I think this is more when you start to have a team, but you know, the sooner you figure these numbers out, the faster you're going to be able to do all of these things. So what does that look like? One, you need to know the lifetime value of your customer. It is critical. And the reason it's critical is because if you don't know how much a customer is worth to you, you don't know how much you're willing to invest in dollars to get that customer, right? So a lifetime value is essentially based on all your previous results, the average customer spends X. And sometimes you might see that result in six months. Sometimes you might see that result in two months. It it just kind of depends. We've had LTV in the like 150 range for like several years. And then in the last year or so, we doubled our LTV and now it's over 300, which has been really fantastic. Now you might be saying, oh, but you guys have a $2,000 product. So how is your LTV less than the cost of your product? Well, the majority of our customers don't actually buy our high-end ticket items. So we're, t- we're averaging out all of our sales and all of our customers and looking at, okay, and the best way to calculate this is look at a period of time. It can be any period of time, but you need a, t- you need a period of time. If we were to look at all of last year, we could say we had X number of customers, not transactions, customers. We had X number of customers. Our total revenue was X based on those customers. Thus, if you divide the two, then their lifetime value is X within a one year time frame. So you can get to that number. The other thing you need to know is your cost per acquisition. Now, you hear a lot of this talked about when you watch some of these like angel investment things. People are like, what's your cost per acquisition? Your CPA, okay? Well, your cost per acquisition is how much does it cost your business to get one new client or customer? Um, Most of the time when someone's talking about their CPA, they're talking about how much do you spend on advertising to get your new customer? Can you do that for different things? I mean, sure. If you're investing in other ways to get a customer, like say you, you are a part of... I don't know, you buy a magazine ad. That's a really bad example because I don't know a lot of people buy magazine ads these days. But say it costs you $500 to do a magazine ad. How many customers are you getting from that magazine ad? 
you know what your cost per acquisition was for that ad and thus could decide, should I do another ad? Right. Or like for other people doing conferences, networking events, markets, those kind of things. Like, do you have to pay for a booth and you have your product or your service there and then you're meeting people, but did you land clients or relationships and like, yeah, so that uh, that's a great example, like a, a live event. Say say your booth fee is $500, but over that weekend, you saw 150 customers. You could divide, divide out that $500 and see how much it costs you per person to get them in the door. And then you could look at what your overall sales were and what was your average sale during that event and then figure out what your margin is And then really quickly be able to figure out, was that event worth it to you or not? Yes or no. If yes, then maybe you want to book another live event, right? Similarly, you want to look at this when hiring, okay? So ultimately, if you're not running ads, but you're hiring a person, how much is it costing you to get X number of new clients or customers? If you're trying to make this decision on the front end of, is it worth this amount to hire so-and-so? Usually you have to plug a cost per acquisition from another form in for this number to, to try to figure out what that looks like. So for us, I'm okay spending up to about $47, $50, $60, per person to ultimately make $300. Some people would spend way more. Some people would spend up to $200 to make $300. I'm okay spending up to $50 or $60 to make anything, to make the $300 per person. Okay, so then what you would do is you would take their fee. It's going to cost $1,000 a month to work with them. I know my average cost per acquisition is X, I'm going to divide their total fee by X and see, do I think they can generate at least that on the front end? Because your goal is not, yeah, you want to look at long term what your, your plan is, but can you break even on the front end with this person? And if you don't think they equal each other, or that's even possible, then that's, that's a red flag to not ultimately hire someone. If you're looking and it's like, oh, it's going to cost you, you know, $200 a person to like bring them in. Can you afford $200 a person to bring them in? You can when they're a $10,000 program. But you can't if your LTV is 100 bucks, because then you lost you're losing money. So without knowing those numbers, it's really hard to make this decision. But the only way to get there, (laughs) the only way to know those numbers is to have sales. And so I think so many people go after like, I'm ready to just invest and hire. And I'm not saying you can't do that. There's startups, there's big tech companies, there's small businesses that they plan to lose money on the front end because they're looking for a long-term result. I find that for us and for most of the people listening to the show, they don't have the luxury. Yeah. They don't have the luxury of being able to lose money at the beginning. And so they need their business to be profitable from day one. 
And if that's the case, then you need to really be thinking about what are you willing to spend to get X result? And sometimes it's just not worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it could be that, you know, the, what to spend to get the result is realistic, but you can't afford it yet. Right. And and there were some times where, and we've talked about this lesson before where, and I know Abby's mentioned it a little bit here, but especially for those of you who have payment plans or memberships, and that's the structure of your offer. Yeah. The lifetime value, yes, might be 300 or 350 bucks, but they're not paying you that month one. Right. And so if it's going to cost you a hundred bucks to get that person in the door who you'll eventually make $350 from, great. You can say yes to that all day long, but you're not making that month one or maybe even month two. And so you also need to know how long does it take you to reach that lifetime value for that customer? How long is it going to take you to break even or make money? How much money do you have in your savings Mm -hmm. to invest until you run out? Yeah. So they call this cash burn. So basically, how much cash can you literally light on fire and say goodbye to (laughs) to hopefully get a result at some point, you know? And because the the thing that you have to keep in mind, LTV may be an average over time, but that doesn't mean every customer is actually worth that. And so sometimes you are going to lose out. But if you have the cash flow, you can support it. I think to start, most people most people need to, at the very beginning, at the very beginning, look for a 2x return within the first 30 days. And the reason I say that is if you're going to put a dollar in and get $2 out, your business needs that cash, right? You need that capital. As you grow, you're going to get to a certain point where you have enough in the bank where you're willing to say, I'm totally cool totally fine with spending a dollar to make 50 cents up front. Because I know in month two, I'm going to break even and everything after month two is profit. You're going to get to the point where that makes sense. But until it does, you need to really be looking at how can you get X result. Now, the the problem with all of it (laughs) is that you can do the math to king to come and you can you can figure out, okay, you know, I think a lot of people look at Facebook ads, for instance, like a freaking ATM It is not y'all. It is not a guaranteed result. You may, Emily and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. You may do a campaign and get amazing returns and then do the same campaign two weeks later and lose money, lose your ass. I was going to say that and then I decided <laughs> to change my words. <laughs> but it's less predictable. So there's going to be certain things you do in your business, certain hires that create more predictable results. Or you just simply need so much less volume that it's less of a risk. So like, for instance, and again, this just this just goes back to ultimately depends on what your average sale price is, because you hiring someone for say $2,000 a month to help you book and land clients where your average package is 10K, literally need them to book one client for it to be worth your time. 
And could, could the average person who's working, I don't know what the good math on that is, uh, 10 hours a week for you throughout a month, could they generate one client? I would hope so. And if they right. can't, you probably should let them go anyway. Right. So but you wouldn't know that. <laughs> and so you can make different decisions about your business when there's just different factors at play. We're in this unique position where we have chosen a path that has lower price products attached to it. And thus, while there can be and is a return or we wouldn't be doing it, if we weren't making a profit, you guys, we would not still be in business. But we have to be more careful with our hires because there is a lot more risk involved. Because if they need to generate 80, 100, 200 new customers or sales in a short time period and they're brand new to your business and they know nothing about what you're doing and you're trying to onboard them. That's a big ask for anyone, regardless of how much they're working for you. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more 
Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, and I think that's when I go back to like how we've struggled with this. It really comes down to that where... We can run the numbers and do math all day long to figure out what do the metrics need to be for it to make sense. And part of it is just, okay, yeah, knowing that. And if it doesn't even come close, you need to make the decision to move on. Okay, we're getting better at that. That's cool. I can get on with that. But when it comes down to like this specific hire, giving them those metrics, and then you just like, hope you make it, like you equip them with everything you feel like they need to reach that goal. Or if they're working with you over, you know, the course of three months or six months, like breaking down the goal, maybe they don't reach it month one, but what's progress in month one that shows you that they're going to reach it month two or three. Because you, on the one hand, you can't expect someone to come in who doesn't know you has never worked with you and just blow results out of the water within a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. But as a small business that we all are, you also can't hang on to that for months on end, hoping that they'll get you results. Right. And so it gets to be, it gets to be a game of numbers versus emotion. Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to figure out what is the tangible thing I can hold on to. And for me, I was really trying to break down what is showing promise to me. Right. It depends on the hire. It depends on their role, but I think to start out, if you can see a result that your investment in them, the amount of people they're generating breaks even on the LTV at the very, very beginning, for we're at the stage where we can afford that. A lot of people, they would be like, if I'm not going to make it back until three months in, I just, I literally can't. Okay, well, then you need to look at your numbers differently. I know our numbers are based on that. I can use that as like a benchmark for showing promise. You know, like I said, some of y'all really, really need it to be 2x out the gate. And if it's not, you need to be brutal and be willing to move on. Well, and I think one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from hiring also, and we haven't even touched on this yet, is some people want to outsource something that they want to use to grow their business, but they have no idea how that strategy works or what it's going to take to work for them. So they immediately hire like the first person they meet and then are just bleeding money to this thing. And it could be anything. It's, we see it a lot with ads. So like people do not want to learn how to run ads themselves. I get that. So you hire an agency, you hire a VA, whatever. And then that person is figuring it out just like you would have to figure it out because they don't have all the answers just because they know a little bit more than you on how to set up an ad or how Facebook ads manager works. Like that's where their knowledge ends when it comes to you. They still have to learn. And the only way to learn your audience and what's going to work is by spending your money. 
And so there are so many lessons that I feel like, oh, I'm glad we learned that first with with our time and our money before we offloaded it. We still made mistakes, but like for, I know some people who maybe hate, hate, hate creating content. Like my dad does this, right? And it, and it works for him right now. It's fine. It's something I would have never done, but it's just funny to me. He hates creating content. He has the ideas, but he doesn't like writing them, formatting them, getting images, posting them to his blog, pushing them out, like all of that stuff. So he literally hires a company who creates blog posts for him every single month. He doesn't write them. He doesn't organize them. He doesn't plan them. Well, therefore, he doesn't necessarily know like what his audience needs or wants or where like outside of looking at his analytics of the content that he's pushing out, that's the only kind of knowledge he's getting instead of like being in the weeds with that strategy. So it's just interesting the things that some people want to offload that they don't even know, like, is it even worth him to be paying someone to create blog content for him? Are you right. getting leads from that? Well, and that's that's the other part that worries me is people can attach so much like they are so set on this thing is required to do X. And thus, if I don't do it, even if I'm not good at it, if I don't do it, then my business is suffering because of it. And I think a lot of that, honestly, is related to content. Now we are like an anomaly. And I want to say out loud to you, you do not need to create or produce as much content as we do in our no. business. No, I can actually tell you not to. Like, Please don't. It's don't. a huge distraction. It's a huge distraction from you serving your clients. What people want to see is you getting results or you producing a certain feeling for people or you loving your craft or you, I mean, whatever people don't, I mean, they, they care about content to an extent, but like some of it is such a long-term game that it's like, you know, you all have followed a home blogger who's just like, here's how to style a bookshelf. And you're like, I swear to God, I saw how to style a bookshelf with seven other people. <laughs> well, and, and so speaking of content, like I do want to have some content for my makers group to uh -huh. like have on the blog, push out to Pinterest, maybe run some ads to it, whatever. What I'm literally doing, because I love writing. I could go down the content rabbit hole all day. I could push yeah. out a new blog post multiple times a week. I don't want to. I have no desire and I do not think it's required. But what I am going to do is really pay attention to where my people are and what they're searching for. And I'm going to prioritize creating like five solid pieces of content over the next like month, two months. And then I'm going to assess that every quarter to be like, okay, what are some pillars of content that I can create that's long form, that's really good, where ultimately at the end of like a year, maybe I have 30 posts or so, but like, they're just pillar, pillar pieces of content that serve my people really well. And it's not every type of subject you could think of in a blog form. Well, because realistically, there's very little content that you can create for you, your niche that'll still be relevant years right. from now. Right. Is there some things? Sure. But like for the most part... Even if you're, weddings, yeah, like, if you're so doing like, a how-to or a tutorial, like forget about it. You're going to have to update that every six months. Right. And are you going to? No. I'm going to so, tell you, you won't because we don't. No, we don't. We don't. And so you're going to either have to constantly be making more content or 
you're going to have to go back and update content, but do people even want to hear the same thing over again, just the new version? I don't know. Sometimes yes, but sometimes no. I just think while content can be helpful in acquiring more organic customers, it's really a gamble. I think it used to be that blogs were so critical for SEO that like people thought it was the only way to be discovered. But now, you know, just given the nature of the world we live in, you're more likely to get a huge reach on TikTok, which is honestly still a total gamble in the use of your time. And it may not translate to sales. You may get visibility, but is it going to work in terms of sales? I don't know. So all of this to say, when you start to think about hiring, I need you to figure out really quickly, is this about saving time or is this about growth? If it's about saving time, are you actually going to utilize that time for something that's going to help you grow to justify the cost? With an asterisk to say, sometimes it's just about improving your life and lifestyle. And that doesn't mean it's a bad decision, but it is a choice because it costs you money to do. Like for like you hiring someone to clean your house, it's saving you time, which I guarantee you, you could make more money during that time if you weren't doing it yourself. But also, if you instead want to just not work and take a break, that's okay. But just know there's a cost attached to taking that break. Well, and I would even be cautious phrasing it like that because that for Enneagram threes, we know there's a cost to taking every break. That's why we don't take breaks. And so I encourage you, like this is a whole separate conversation, but it's, I have had to learn that and this is how I have to look at it. It's not going to work for all of you. But as an Enneagram 3, I have had to learn I'm not losing money by taking a break. And when I take the break, how I choose to spend that time, I'm either reading, I'm watching a show, I'm sitting outside, I'm scrolling TikTok for fun, whatever. I now know about myself that that provides enough of a creative reset and kind of zone out for me that will be beneficial to me the next time I choose to work. Because maybe you have more energy or you are inspired again or I mean, whatever. And so I think there is an option there, but it's usually not as direct. And so you just have to be careful with less direct results because you'll, you can- you'll be able to see those results in a larger time frame, right? Like I took way more breaks last year than I ever have. And my businesses grew exponentially. That's one of the effects of it. It's not the only reason obviously. But I now know about myself, if I let myself not work all the time, my performance is better and therefore I make more money. Yeah, but you have to know what your personal capacity is right. too. Some of you can work an eight-hour day and still feel good and it's probably because you have less distractions going on <laughs> other places. I know some of y'all are momming it up and you're like, if I worked eight hours and mommed for the required amount of time to just keep them alive, <laughs> I would be dead to them. I'm out. <laughs> so, it's fine. You know your limits and respect your limits. Um, and then if it is about saving your time and instead you're going to use that to work or to work on something that is has a more direct result, then maybe keep out, keep track of that for a little while. Because in the beginning, you're really not going to know 
is it worth it to me? Because sometimes, sometimes the tasks you're outsourcing, you could do it in the same amount of time they could. Other times, they're going to do it 10 times faster than you because it's not your skill set. Like me outsourcing design work for my side. And usually those investments are more worth it because you are saving a lot more time than it's costing them. And you can usually pay less. 100%. Than it would cost you as as a person working in your business. And then that third kind of option is really looking at your returns, really understanding your analytics, being willing to set someone up for success, give them all the expectations up front. What are you trying to produce? Um, Is that realistic for them? And just go from there. It's, It's okay to be in their ear constantly about what you're trying to accomplish, because if they don't see it as important as you do, then they're not going to be focused on that. I think so many contractors, especially, they have been trained to take things off people's plate and do a checklist and finish things so other people don't have to do them. And while there's nothing wrong with that, you you need sometimes for those people to really think through, well, is this a strategy that I think will produce the result that they're asking to get from me? Because they might start to realize, oh, this piece over here, I'm best suited to do X for you instead. And unless you're like communicating what you want from them, you can't just like blindly go at it and be like, I'm hiring them. This is the result I'm expecting from them. If they don't get it, I'm going to fire them. Okay, but did if you didn't communicate, then that's not, it's not really a fair assessment. So there's a lot to think about. I hope that was helpful. We have produced quite a few other shows about our hiring process, what it looks like to work with contractors versus an employee. And so if you're looking for that, head over to bossproject.com and use our little search box and type in the word hiring and see what pops up. There's definitely more episodes out there for you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.